0: Thanks Adele. How good is the music team leading us in worship? Why don't you just uh, put your hands together and encourage them? We've been looking over the last couple of weeks at um, doing life together as a, a church community. And if you remember back, we looked the first week about being a welcoming community. And last week we talked about being an encouraging community. And so my big question for you this week, which is deep and meaningful, have you been busy honking this week? Have you been busy honking encouragement to those around you, not the other goose, but the uh, like geese, and honking and encouragement? Today we come to our next part of the, um, the journey, so let's pray first of all. Lord, I'm just reminded of that, that very old hymn, and uh, as we come to look at your word, we pray the words of that this morning: uh, "Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me." Mold me, fill me, and use me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen. There was trouble at the diner. uh, Daryl Loomis was a truck diver, and each week he hauled goods from one city to another. And Joe's diner was his favorite eating spot on the route. And Daryl always stopped for meals at Joe's. And one summer afternoon, Darryl parked his truck and walked into the diner. And sitting down at his favourite seat, the third counter stool, would have been good in church, he ordered the usual hot meatloaf sandwich, mashed potatoes, and iced tea. Not much imagination. In the distance came a, a roar and a cloud of dust, and followed by the arrival into the parking lot of 12 members of a motorcycle gang, riding Harley Davidsons with extended forks. Not the folks you eat with. The folks on the bikes. They were fine bikes, quite a sight to see. As the gang parked them next to Darrell's old pickup truck and set down the kickstands, and as the gang stomped into the diner, the leader immediately spotted Darrell. "Well, who's this little sissy at the counter?" he sneered. And Darrell merely remained silent and continued eating his lunch. And forming a semicircle around Darrell, the gang members started snapping their fingers together in a rhythm. Unperturbed, Darrell just sat and ate his lunch. And one of the gang members picked up Daryl's iced tea and poured it over his head. The others watched, still snapping their fingers in unison. And with his napkin, Darrell dried his face but said nothing. Another gang member picked up Daryl's mashed potatoes and stuck a handful into Daryl's ear wiping his hand on Darryl's back. But Darryl remained calm and didn't respond. He simply continued to eat his lunch. And all the gang, although the gang continued to harass and taunt Darryl, he never responded to any of it. And even when Darryl finished his lunch, he only stood up, turned to Joe, silently paid his bill, left the diner without saying a word in retaliation. A great role model. And the leader of the gang laughed and said to Joe, what a wimp. That guy sure ain't much of a man. And Joe, looking out the window of the diner, said, no. And he ain't much of a driver either. He just ran over 12 Harleys. (laughs) (laughs) Brian Hathaway says that uh, there is one inevitable and most certain thing in life. Sometimes, somewhere, and probably quite often, people are going to hurt and wound you, either intentionally or unintentionally. They will do things to us, they will say things to us, they will say things about us that we do not agree with or approve of. And he says these actions can become like cancers, rampantly dividing cells that threaten to squeeze the life out of relationships between people. And it happens in the church too, in case you didn't notice. What's our normal response? How do you respond when you are hurt or wounded by other people? I suspect that the reason that we find Daryl's story funny is because he got his own back on the bikies. Uh, he settled the score. He gave them back what they gave him. Their just desserts. He made them pay. And isn't there a part of us that when watching movies and TV shows love to see the crooks or the bad guys get back what they deserve? Isn't it, is it just, am I the only one who feels that way? No, there's a few of us here, good, that's great. Well, when we've been personally wronged or hurt by others, what's our normal response? Now, I know you're in church and Sunday morning you say, I turn the other cheek, I just walk away and all those niceties. But if I was to show you a video of the last week when you've been hurt and wounded, I wonder what it would say about how we respond. How do you respond? Isn't there the temptation to want to see Uh, justice or revenge at times? Isn't there a temptation at times to want to verbally hit back? Isn't there a temptation to plan, at least in our imagination, how to get even with the other person? Is there ever a temptation sometimes to give them the silent treatment? Or withdraw from the relationship? Or to gossip about them to other people? Or in a more respectable way, make it a prayer point for your prayer group to pay for (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Don't we sometimes think about all the good things we've done for them and how could they do this and we won't do it anymore? And isn't it a temptation at times to harbour a grudge or resentment or bitterness, thinking somehow it's going to make the other person pay, which it never does? I wonder if any of those responses ring a bell. They do it for me. And I know some will say, what's wrong with that? Everybody does the same thing. Well, that's true. But as followers of Jesus, we don't take our lead from everyone else. We don't take our lead from the world around us, from our human nature or the cries within us. We take our lead from our master, the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, who'd been through the very depths of hurt and wounding, calls us to a radically different response to the world around us. Let me share with you just a few Bible readings that are coming up. Yep. Oh, gee. Sorry, if you can't read them, that's okay. Matthew Mark chapter 11, now when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Matthew 5, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the front of the altar. First be reconciled to your brother and sister and then offer your gift. Matthew 6, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. And of course, that passage we heard read to us by Adele this morning from Matthew 18. Peter asked Jesus, How many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Sounds <laughs> like a generous suggestion. But Jesus says, I told you not seven times, but 77 times. So as you look at the, 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 uh, Jesus' teaching, over and over again he's constantly talking about our response to hurt and wrongdoing should be one of forgiveness and not only did Jesus teach that but he actually modeled it in his own life as well his own example was one of forgiving others when he had every right not to remember in John 13 when they were all uh, in the night before he was uh, put on trial and, and crucified you remember they were sharing the, the last supper together and but Jesus actually went around and washed all the disciples feet One by one by one by one, Peter objected, but eventually went along with it. And, you know, the interesting thing is that he knew ahead that they were going to betray him. He knew that they were going to take off and leave him in that garden by himself. He knew that Judas was the one who would actually been paid to turn him in, and yet he went around and washed every one of their feet. He'd forgiven them even before they'd done the thing that was wrong in his sight. And on Luke 23, on the cross again, when, when Jesus uh, was insulted and treated cruelly and um, uh, abuse was hurled at him from a bitter and angry crowd, he didn't z- z- call back a, a group of angels to come and zap them. Wouldn't you like to have done that? I would have. I would have had a taser gun. <laughs> but he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Well, he actually said, Father, forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. So Jesus both modelled and taught that the way of following him is to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, demonstrating and imitating him the generous and gracious and unconditional forgiveness God has given us in our lives. It's a call to us as individuals and as a church community to be characterised by forgiveness. Forgiveness to one another. But forgiveness to anyone who walks through those doors, no matter what their past is, no matter how dark it may be, many of whom may need forgiveness for things that have happened in their lives or certainly no need to know the forgiveness of God. We need to be a forgiving community together. Colossians 3 says, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance, just as your Lord has forgiven you. We don't have a great track record with forgiveness every day I get these um emails from churchleaders.com and and I constantly see stories about Christians attacking one another leaders attacking one another and 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 the the stuff the venom that comes out I can't believe it I thought why would you want to go to church in America if that was the way the way it doesn't happen in Australia of course but um (laughs) it did over there so we don't have a great track record with forgiving other people there was a story about a, a preacher's Sunday sermon was forgiving one another and toward the end of the service he asked the congregation How many of you have forgiven your enemies? And about half of the congregation held up their hands. He then repeated the question, and as it was past lunchtime, this time 80% held up their hands. He then repeated the question again, and all responded, except one small ageing man. Mr. Jones, inquired the preacher, are you not willing to forgive your enemies? I don't have any, he replied, smiling sweetly. Mr. Jones, this is very unusual. How old are you? Ninety-three, he replied. Oh, Mr. Jones, what a blessing and a lesson to us you, you are. Would you please come down in front of the congregation and tell us how a person can live 93 years and not have an enemy in the world? Well, this little, kind, smiling Mr. Jones slowly tottered down the aisle. He faced the congregation and said, I outlived the old selfish jerks. think mr jones might have a bit of work to do i bet that preacher never asked anybody to come forward again <laughs> so what does it mean to forgive i want to give you just some ideas to forgive means to and this is looking at google to forgive means to stop feeling angry or resentful towards someone for an offense a flaw or a mistake another guy called tim sledge who doesn't search people, said forgiveness means that you no longer regard the offending person as indebted to you. You pardon the offender, like a judge dismissing or pardoning a defendant. And the Greek word for forgive means to release or to let go, such as when a person doesn't demand a payment for a debt that is owing. It's letting go of resentment, even when you consider you're justified in having it, It's giving up on any claim to be compensated for, a hurt or a loss we have suffered. It's to let go and surrender the right to retaliate or hurt others in response to the way they've hurt and wronged us. And the reason for forgiving one another, the basis for forgiving one another, the basis for and the motivation for forgiving others it's not just Jesus' call on our life, if you want to follow me, you need to be a forgiving person. It's in response to the amazing forgiveness that God has shown us. Matthew chapter 18, that parable again that Adele read to us about how one, the, the king forgave the servant a huge amount, bags of gold. Uh, and the other that, that servant wouldn't forgive somebody else who owed him just a small amount is a contrast, and and it talks about the enormous debt that God has forgiven us. I don't know about you, but sometimes I go into confession. <laughs> I can take a long time in confession, and uh, some of you are looking to me saying, "Yes, I can understand why." Um, well, and as I begin, I think, "Oh God, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that, and i this is the way I've treated you, this is the way I've treated other people," and so, and, and I, I'm just overwhelmed. By God's grace and forgiveness towards me, and so the motivation for forgiving others is being aware and conscious of how much we've been forgiven on the cross through Jesus, but also how much we've been forgiven daily in our lives, over and over again. I seem to come up with these same words again and again. God, I've done it again. God, I've done it again. You ever say those words to God? You don't. You don't repeat your sins. Okay, you come up with new ones all the time. You're a creative group. That's good, but. When we are aware of how much God's forgiven us, it becomes much easier to forgive others lesser debts. Colossians 3, you must make allowances for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. One author said, when we remember the huge price that Jesus paid to forgive us, The nature of God's forgiveness, the extent and depth of his grace and mercy and forgiveness. How can we not forgive others a lesser debt against us? So if that's what forgiveness is, let me just qualify it because I know some of you will be probably sitting there thinking, hang on, you don't know what's happened in my life. You don't know how much I've been hurt. Let me tell you what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness doesn't mean approving or excusing or justifying what the other person has done. John chapter 8, when Jesus forgave the woman who was about to be stoned for adultery, he forgave her, but he said, leave your life of sin. It's not excusing or justifying what the other person has done in her life. Forgiveness does not mean denying that we've been wronged. Acting like hurt or wounding never happened. Sweeping things under the rug or pushing things down inside us. Forgiveness doesn't mean pretending we are not hurt minimalising the offence or the wound, passing it off as insignificant and refusing to take it seriously. Forgiveness doesn't mean there is no need to say something to the person who's wounded us. There are times and occasions when we need to speak and make the other person aware of how deeply they've hurt us for our own healing and for the sake of their growth, but also so they don't do it again to other people. Forgiveness doesn't mean not reporting a crime or a wrong or abuse to the appropriate authorities. Forgiveness doesn't mean there are no consequences for the wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision, a choice, an act of the will, and often despite our feelings. Forgiveness doesn't mean necessarily forgetting. Depending on the nature of our wo- the wound Uh, and how much we've been hurt and how much it it may take time to heal and we may never be able to forget the wound or the heal, the, the wound or the attack or the hurt, but the sting will have disappeared over times. At times we may still remember what happened to us, but we no longer feel the sting that we originally felt as forgiveness flows. Forgiveness doesn't mean setting ourselves up to be hurt and wounded again. Not setting boundaries, becoming a doormat to be hurt over and over again. Forgiveness doesn't mean it always happens immediately. It doesn't mean you'll always be able to immediately forgive somebody from the the start. It's more than often a process over time putting hurt and wounding behind you, depending on the depth of the hurt and the wounding. And finally, Forgiveness doesn't mean automatically bringing restoration of a relationship. Meaningful reconciliation and restoration of a broken trust may take time to rebuild and have conditions. Sometimes the nature of the wound or the hurting may mean the end of the relationship and uh, no possible reconciliation. So that's what forgiveness doesn't mean. Let me tell you about an elderly lady who uh, was angry, bitter and resentful over never being married. She pre-planned her funeral and the funeral director was intrigued by the fact that she'd chosen six female pallbearers to carry her coffin. He said, are you sure you want all women to carry your casket to the grave? And she answered, I'm positive. If those bozo men wouldn't take me out when I was alive, I'm sure not going to let them take me out when I'm dead. (laughs) There was a woman who needed to work on forgiveness. Forgiveness can bring so many blessings. And, um, for example, it's not only a gift to the person who has wounded us, but it's a gift to ourselves. Forgiveness can release the hold of bitterness and resentment and anger and may help us and may have it that Sorry, those impact they may have on us physically and emotionally and mentally it can lift depression calm anxiety promote freedom and bring peace and the joy of god forgiveness also presents prevents satan from having a foothold in our lives it opens the possibility for healing and restoration in relationships it restores intimacy with god jesus said As you forgive others, God will forgive you. And uh, it doesn't mean to say the relationship is broken, but sometimes our fellowship with God is broken because we are holding uh, unforgiveness in our heart. And it's a powerful testimony to the world around us when we are a forgiving people and a forgiving community in contrast to the world which talks about retaliation and revenge. It's also uh, an attractive sign to people who are visiting us uh, who are wanting to join a church, who are looking for a, an alternative community uh, to what they're finding in the world when they find a place where they're met with forgiveness for the moment they walk through those doors. And finally, forgiveness is a key to revival in a church as well. If you look at all the history of revivals, over and over again, it began with people being conscious of their own sin and brokenness before God, but also putting right relationships, forgiving one another and bringing healing there. So there's great blessings and great benefits to forgiveness. Let me just finish off by talking about some how-tos of forgiveness because I hate it when preachers tell you to do, or encourage you to do something but they don't give you any clues on how to. So, so let me share a couple of things. But First of all, by way of introduction, in our own personal willpower and strength, I, forgiveness is often almost impossible. Don't you find that? Um, it's often flies in the face of all our pride. It's often the opposite to how we may feel and it's often the hardest thing to give away. But 2 Corinthians 12, Paul reminds us that God said to him what he says to us. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things, even forgive, through Christ who strengthens me. God, who has forgiven us such an enormous debt, gives us his supernatural power to forgive others. He releases, he unleashes power in our lives to give what uh, what we can't give ourselves. So, let me, having said that, let me just give you a couple of steps. These are only just suggestions, they are not exhaustive, not prescriptive. But first of all, identify and face. Ask the Lord to bring to mind any offence, any hurts, any wounds we may need to forgive, and the person or persons involved. Face up to and acknowledge the hurt and the wounding. Don't deny it. And ask yourself why did it hurt? Why were you left wounded? And then face the fact that you may need to confess that if there's any possible way that you contributed to happening or anything in response that may have been wrong as well. So identify and face any possible wounds. And if you are unsure, as I ask a lot of Christians, do you ever carry any wounds or hit? uh disappointments or attacks or d- damage to your life and they say no 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 it's all fine can I encourage you if you f- feel that I'm not wounded I'm not hurt simply come before the Lord and say Lord show me is there any area in my life where I'm carrying a hurt or a wound that I haven't dealt with where I'm carrying an unforgiveness towards somebody else so acknowledge it secondly get help we may need help through one of the following areas or all together we may need counselling we may need prayer ministry, people praying with us and over us to be set free. We may need a support group, an accountability group that will help us work through the whole process of letting go of that unforgiveness in our lives. But above all, we need to get help from the Lord. We need to, like the psalmist, just pour out our heart and say, God, this is how I was hurt, this is how I was wounded, and this is how I feel. And then, let me, let me encourage you, first of all, God won't be surprised by what you say and no one loves you more than he does. And uh, let this be an opportunity for you to come closer to Jesus through this sharing with him. Psalm 142 says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint, and before him I tell my trouble. Let it go. Just share it with the Lord and turn it over to him. The next thing is consider and reflect. Having poured out your heart, your wound, how you feel, how it's damaged you, how it's impacted your life, next thing is consider and reflect on the mercy and forgiveness God has shown you. Take time just to sit there and say, Lord, give me a picture of how much you've loved me. Give me a picture of your mercy and compassion and the extent of your forgiveness for me. Joyce Meyer said, God forgave me for much more than I will ever have to forgive others sit there and reflect upon the blessings and the benefits that forgiveness will bring to your life and the damage unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness will bring to your life as well consider that the other person may not realize that they've hurt you or wounded you and remember the saying that hurt people hurt people then choose forgiveness is a decision as i said an act of the will start the process even though it may seem unwarranted and undeserved, and even it may be uncomfortable and and painful, begin the process of forgiveness. First of all, hand your hurt and wound to God and picture yourself placing that into his hands and his hands are large enough to handle anything you give him. And then choose to forgive the person, the brother or sister who may have hurt or wronged you sometimes it's helpful just to visualize the other person sitting in front of you and telling them telling them how you feel what you felt they did what how you perceived it what you uh, how it made you feel and so on you may want to write a letter to that person don't send it please do not send it Uh, but write a letter expressing all your feelings and all the whole process and then tear it up or burn it up afterwards and then declare something like this lord I need your help to forgive now. But through your grace and your power, I choose to forgive whoever it may be. Just as you have forgiven me, I choose to clear the record. I choose to press the delete button. I choose to release that person. I choose to release myself. I choose to forgive. And Bill or Mary, whoever it may be, I forgive you in Jesus' name. A lot of people ask the question, what about if I get the feeling of unforgiveness coming up again (laughs) next week or the week after and so on? I want to encourage you, if it comes up again and again, keep placing that wound and hurt back in Jesus' hands and keep affirming the decision that you've made to forgive that person the previous times. And over a period of time, you'll find, hopefully, that it disappears. Sometimes it's helpful to meet the other person, possibly. Each situation is unique. And God will make it clear if you're to talk and give your forgiveness face to face with the other person. God knows each situation, each person's heart, and what's best. And finally, pray. Matthew chapter 5 says, pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who wound you or hurt you. And if you don't know how to pray for that person that's wounded or hurt you, again, ask the Lord. Say, Lord, how should I pray for this person? Give me your heart for them. Let me see them as you see them. And show me what to pray for Let me close and say the call to follow Jesus is a call to make forgiveness a lifestyle, individually and as a community. We are to be a community of forgiving people to one another and to all who come through our doors. Jonathan Greaser says this, imagine being a community of forgiveness. Imagine being a community where our relationships are so deep, the ties that bind us together so strong that we experience conflict, disagreement, not as something to be won or lost, but as a threat to the body of Christ. Imagine being a community where we model forgiveness in a world in which retribution and retaliation are norms. Imagine being a community where we not only ask for and receive forgiveness from God, but offer and give forgiveness to those who sin against us and ask and receive forgiveness from those against whom we've sinned. I have a sense God wants to begin a process in some of our lives today. I I had this impression all week. So I'm going to encourage you just to bow for a moment quietly in prayer and uh, just let me lead you. Maybe this morning you are carrying a hurt or a wound. And as we've talked about, forgiveness this morning, you know it's it's raising its head again. I just want to assure you that Jesus, the wounded healer, is here and is here for you this morning. He said, come to me all who are burdened and heavy laden and I will give you rest. And the Apostle Peter said, cast all your cares on him for he cares about you. Psalm 61 talks about how he's come to heal the broken hearted. So if you're carrying a hurt or wounded, let me just encourage you, to visualise Jesus being here with open arms, encouraging you to come to him. Let him embrace you. Let him touch your life. Let him heal you or begin the process. Maybe we need to ask ourselves this morning, is there someone in our lives, living or deceased, that we need to begin the process of forgiving today? And as that person's name or a picture of that person arises, let me encourage you to talk to the Lord about that. And is there someone I may have wronged or hurt that I need to go and apologize to?